Two atheists go to church. Two atheists go to church. What do you want to talk about tonight, Angela? Guess where we went this morning. Where did we go? <gasps> Substance Church. Uh, we had talked about this in our preliminary episode for Two Atheists Go to Church. Um, and it was kind of a big one because I used to go to Substance when I was evangelical. Um, it has changed quite a bit. It has moved to a new building. Um, when I went, it was still being rented out in a high school auditorium. And they, so, they actually referenced that. They, they kinda, did reference it. They were kind of like, well, when we first started meeting, we were in this dumpy, shitty church with loud, squeaky chairs. The but chairs now, were squeaky. We got money. We but got now we got the bill. We got so many bills. So, so we went to Substance Church Northtown, which is located at... 8299 Central Avenue, Northeast Spring Lake Park, Minnesota. So kind of a trek out of the Twin Cities proper. Um, took us about 20 minutes to get there. So it's definitely yeah. a suburb. I found it a little interesting, and I'm sure they're probably scheming and dreaming for more campuses. But the only campuses available were Northtown, which is, you know... A good 20 minutes, half an hour out of the cities. And then the other campus is in actual downtown Minneapolis. Yeah. So. Which is called Substance Downtown. So downtown. So if you're, say, in a southern suburb, Richfield, even like Egan area, I mean, you would have to be pretty committed to go to Substance. And I don't doubt that people are not committed because... Um, and we're not going to spend the entire episode comparing it to Eagle Brook or any of the other churches that we visit, but this part of, uh, out of the attic. Right. But I definitely did notice people were a lot more engaged here. It was very much, people were way more into it. It seemed earnest. It seemed earnest and more, um, more people were participating in worship and, Saying amen and so yelling all right, and let's dancing. describe okay. the scene. So we walk into this church, which just has a giant, uh, just a giant epitaph at the top, just a substance. Substance. And there were it was it was tricky to find where to park because they are all these signs that said shuttle lots. So I think they were expecting a lot more people than were actually there. Mm. Um, I would say there was maybe two hundred people there. Yeah, it was actually a little. Smaller than I thought it would be. Sparse. I'm thinking probably the big service is like the 1030 or or 1020. But the space itself isn't really that big. They probably had seating for maybe a thousand. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. So you walk in and it's it was, again, we were, we were late again because we're always late. Um, we walked in and the music was already going. The lights were down. Uh, they definitely had a smoke machine. And their stage was smoke more, it again. looked... So the last stage we were at looked like a theater stage. It looked like uh, something you could do, uh, you know, arts in the park there or Shakespeare in the park or something. So we go inside and it, the thing that I noticed was strange is there was two doors you could go into the auditorium and it just said auditorium with, and no one was really telling us where to go. You walk in and there's a coffee place there, like a fair trade Yeah, cafe. in the lobby there's something that says Substance Coffee and then... There's like a merch store 
Yeah. Like right to your left when you walk in, there's like a little store that says substance and you can get substance t-shirts. You can get Pastor Peter's book. You can get their... Oh, did he have a book? Yeah, he wrote a book, which I wouldn't mind paging through, but I probably wouldn't buy it. And then you can get their EDM worship CD, which was plugged heavily during the service, which we will get to. <laughs> and uh, as we walked into the, the sanctuary, they had earplugs there. That's how loud the worship was. They actually had... A, a, Provided like, you with earplugs. Earplugs, because it was so loud. So we walked in, and there are nine white people doing praise and worship music. Yeah, nine white people. Five of them just singing. That's it. I mean, they they all had microphones, and they. I thought one of them no was microphone good. stands. Yeah. So they were moving around. They were jumping. They were pointing to the sky, and all I could think of was they looked like a little boy band. They did, but there are two women in the boy band. Three women. Oh, oh, yeah, right, yeah. Three women, one who looked like Eleven from Stranger Things, but when she had her hair grown out in curls. But she did look surprisingly like Eleven. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Not that she's listening. Um, and then as we walked in, I, st- I just kind of stood in the back right away, and Angela was brave enough to go to the, the first back seat. Yeah, I was so brave, I went to the back row and huddled back there. And and then I got in the back row, and on each, um, each chair there was this card I'm holding, that says variant, and it's like an LED lighted. Is that a door? supposed to be a doorway and a mirror? Um, yeah, it looks kind of like a cube, and the variant kind of looks like a V. If it was like an origami looking V. <laughs> and then on the back it says an electronic dance music project by Substance Church, because the pastor who spoke today is also an EDM DJ. Nope, he's not the EDM oh, DJ. Not? He's the lead. Pastor for downtown campus, but he does have a tattoo sleeve, engaged ears, and a big beard. Yeah. So very radical. Um, but the Not lead like an lead, beard. No. Like like hardcore singer beard. Yeah. Um yep. but the lead lead pastor, Peter Haas, is the EDM DJ. And I think he's just kind of filtered the EDM down through both campuses. They're very e- pro EDM. Yeah, which I all they it, it seems so arbitrary to me to call it EDM worship music because it just seems like well I like EDM music and I'll just add Jesus like it's a flavor like you go to one of, you know one of those soda machines that dispenses every flavor you want and you're like Jesus EDM <laughs> oh yeah like vanilla Dr Pepper um yeah it seemed weird to me too because EDM doesn't have a lot of, and I mean, I am by no means an EDM uh, fan even, <laughs> um, but most EDM music I've heard just has like little like snippets of pre-recorded stuff. Like I'm just thinking of the most like sampling popular. Yeah. Like sampling, like the popular Skrillex, Skrillex song where he sampled the kids, the Lost Boys saying bangerang. Like that sounds awesome. Yeah. Um. So I'm just wondering if it's like do 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 Jesus. Like, or if they sample like sermons, or I mean, we have a free download. Yeah. So to be fair, we didn't listen to it. No, we could be talking out of our ass. I might download it and listen to it and get back to you next week. Um. That will be Angela's homework. I will not be. There is um. I, I don't 
I'm curious. How do you just, how do you say no to that? It's like, it's like someone pre-asking you, may I grope you? You're like, no, of course not. I'm not going to get that. I'm just curious enough. So Eagle Brook was a very interesting experience, but this church was uh, equally as interesting and um, informative. Substance, I would say it's an evangelical church that is attempting really hard to be relevant and contemporary. So the worship music sounds like more like, I don't know, pop music. Yeah. Um, all the worship band people are dressed in trendy clothes. Um, the pastor wasn't actually there. It was on a big it screen. It was again. a video pastor again. again. Yeah. I wrote in my notes, where was it? <laughs> Video pastor again, what the fuck? <laughs> but, but it wasn't exa- it wasn't the same as before. Before the the video pastor at, at the other church we went to, uh, one of the churches we went to, it was almost like it was in the place right in the center of the stage where he would be. So it was almost, it wasn't a hologram, but it was like, it was trying to pretend he was there. Where this one, it was just two big screens up top and he was just talking. And um, I still think it's weird when people laugh at a video screen of, of someone who's not talking live. I just, mm-hmm. it just weirds me out. I don't get it. Um, I'm just going to see what my notes here. So we did talk about how during worship, people had their hands up and there were people, you know, saying amen, singing along. It seemed very, very earnest. Um, Jumping, pointing, yelling, come on, come on. And we heard what a powerful name it is again. Uh-huh. <laughs> that must be a really popular worship song right now. Yeah, so that was that was funny. And so for, I turned to Angela and I was like, didn't we hear this last Did week? Did I was like, um, sounds familiar. Yeah. Another thing that I thought was ridiculous was uh, their stage was much more set up like, in, like a venue stage. Yeah, um, it, it was, was a lot lower. It, you could easily just swap out the, the worship stuff for an EDM DJ set. And it would pretty much have the same feel. You could take mm-hmm. the chairs out and it would feel like a venue that way. Even at stadium seating in the back, it would like only like 10 rows. But mm-hmm. it could easily be mistaken for that. Um, and all the Edison light bulbs. I was thinking, what a waste of money. Yeah, I think they maybe just searched what's what's cool in interior design right now. Yeah, that's what it looked like. Edison it, light bulbs. We it, need it, it, Oh, that's what it looked like. It felt like a brewery in there. It yeah. did. It, the, the whole vibe, like, you know, they had the weird crap on the walls or repurposed stuff. You know, so, like, up on top, there's a big S uh, that's made out of, like, metal with, like, lights in it. And, and like, then around it is, like, a broken guitar. And, and oh, yeah, and, like, succulent plants, which are pretty uh, popular right now. And those were, like, in repurposed, like, little hanging vases or pails and stuff and it was yeah it was very much like someone had a pinterest and was like modern design but i want my church to look that way too it just yeah. looked, it looked like how do we make church a cool place to hang out where we don't do anything cool at was kind of what i thought it was like it and was like had, a, a brewery like with no beer booths which I sort of appreciated like afterwards if you see someone you haven't seen in a couple of weeks you could just like grab a booth and hang out there and drink your fair trade coffee. Like, I appreciated that about the lobby. Instead of just kind of, like, milling around, you could go grab a table or a booth or whatever. Like, that was fine. And to Substance credit, um, right after worship, they did have a time where you were supposed to interact with someone. 
So you're supposed to like shake hands with a neighbor and give someone yes. the sign of peace or, yep. um, so it felt more like you were doing this with people rather than just watching a screen as other churches we've been to feel like. Yeah. Um, the video montage before the pastor started speaking, I thought it was like, it was, it was like, it was well done, I guess, for a church. I mean, it, it yeah. just looked like a, you know, professional pep talk was going to happen. Um, the pastor plugged his EDM DJ album right away. <laughs> it's like, number eight on EDM iTunes. He, he kept saying, am I right a lot? You know, like the, like, I don't know, like it was popular like five years ago in comedy clubs. He was like, am I right? Am he, I right? He kept doing that. Um, and he, he just seemed like he was trying really hard to be cool um, and, and this confident. Was- yeah, this was not the same guy who gave the sermon. I think this was the actual campus pastor for Northtown. I wrote down, looks like he did a lot of coke. <laughs> um, because he came up on stage afterwards and was like, Whoa, you guys, this is the coolest thing you've ever seen? I'm pastor, so-so. I thought this is... And he was just rubbing his nose. And I was like, um... Okay, like he either drank too much substance coffee or he was doing lines in the back. Or both, or both, who knows. Or both, um, and he was very enthusiastic, like suspiciously enthusiastic. Yeah, it's like a relentless, creepy happiness. Yeah. Like, his face looked like if, if he did have Botox, it would burst. Yep. It was just like, it was just, like the Joker's face, you know, just like Jack yeah. Nicholson Joker, just, it's way too tight. Um, that sounds like a weird thing to say about someone's face. Could also Dad, Daddy keeps it tight. Yeah, it was weird. Um, and then the first story the pastor gave wasn't that good. I just it amazes me that people go to I, these places looking for direction, looking for answers, looking for the mysteries of the universe, and they get these fucking shitty pastors who are just like, "Let me tell you a story about going on vacation." My pen was smoking um, <laughs> during the beginning part. He was talking about – here, let me open my notes. Um, so he was talking about going on vacation with his wife. Again, huge cues of condescension toward his wife. I didn't get that. I didn't pick that up. Um, the only times he mentioned her was when – well, basically the – the gist of the story was they were trying to get to their vacation in Florida and that's when our big snowstorm happened last weekend. So it was like they had an Uber, but then the Uber got stuck and then their flight got delayed and then they had to make a new plan. And then that included like, you know, six different, you know, flights that they had to take to get to Florida. And, um, he talked so much about needing this vacation. I need to get away from my kids. And then he had a, a fun little joke in there. Uh, I need to get away with my wife because, you know, when it's just me and my wife and no kids around, there's lots and lots of prayer. Prayer. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, hey, you have all these vague sex references hey, that were kind of weird. Hey, oh. And uh, he talked about getting out and pushing the Uber when it got stuck. And he's like, my wife didn't encourage me. She just laughed and took a, took pictures of me. <laughs> yeah, blurry, blurry photos. Blurry swatch. photos of you pushing the car. So it was like, my wife didn't encourage me, but at least we got to bang a lang in Florida. 
in Florida with no children. And the and he kept saying so the Uber that I paid for. And the flight that that I paid, I paid for. And this that I paid for. And I'm like, okay. Like I just thought that was kind of odd. I didn't think it was odd, I thought it was annoying. That um, I paid for it. I paid for this. Yeah, as if everything's supposed to work out according to plan. But he used this as a metaphor for saying, sometimes life throws lemons at you, but God wants to make lemonade. He said, said, um, he talked about, he likened this to Proverbs 29, 18, and talking about taking the path of least resistance. So in essence, he was saying, if he took the path of least resistance, he just would have given up and stayed home and not gone on vacation and had a fuck fest with his wife and had fish tacos and sandy beaches. He mentioned those at least three or four times. Um, So the privilege that came out of this guy of saying my, my resistant path that I needed to overcome was my inconvenient flight to my sandy beach vacation. And if I was a low-income person, let's say a single mom, or I was living in Section 8 housing and came to that church and heard that story, I would be pretty offended. Yeah, I don't think those people go to this church. He's definitely preaching to a choir. Um, Yeah, but I mean, if you want to be... A well, church that's open to everybody. I think that talk just reeked of extreme privilege. Well, all of this does where we are in America. Um, but like, likening it to like a resistant path, like, oh, the trials I well, had to go yeah, through. What he was trying to say was that if you know where you're going, uh, you'll put up with pretty much anything to get there. Um, which is, a yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a bad way of putting it. It's a very insensitive way of putting it. But he was trying to say, like, if you, it was really, he always said vaguely, but he always talked about, he talked about God having this plan that was, it was always bigger and better. But the weird part about it is there was no plan was talked about. No one looked for the plan. That's what, that's what boggles my mind about these churches is these pastors say these vague, dangerous, partially theological things that mean nothing. They're just words. And so he's talking about God's bigger, better plan. But there's no specifics. Um, there's nothing about you doing anything through it. He said the difference between following um, and not following is a life of purpose and clarity. And he kept saying, you, your life, rock, solid plan. Um, and then he, he tried to bring in the Exodus story. That was like, okay, you're going to compare your little troubled vacation to like the Exodus, like coming out of Egypt and slavery and... You know, uh, it was just bizarre. They wandered was, in the desert for 40 years, and you're talking about this, you know, nine-hour delayed flight. Like, it's the same thing. I wanted to just, you know, slap him and be like, wake up, man. This is bizarre. Yep. And he talked about when he – I wrote down a couple of quotes when he started likening it to Exodus. Um, oops, I put – Oh, there is a free download sticker for the EDM album on every chair. Ha, 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 ha. Um, But after that, I wrote, um, likening his vacation to escaping slavery. Fuck this guy. (laughs) The Israelite, quote, unquote, 
if you're having hard times, the Israelites feel you on that. They oh, feel you. I wrote that too. He said um, he was talking about his like he he had an aspiring basketball career and he hurt his shoulder. And he, he was talking about complaining to God. And he goes, I sound like a child. He goes, I sound, sounds like an Israelite. Israelite, doesn't yep. It? And I wrote, what a dipshit. Right after that. Um, oh. Yeah, the moment things get hard, we become a victim. Yeah, he, ta- he talked about not being a victim but a victor. Uh, which, again, this is just pop, pop theology, which wasn't good. Um, yeah, Taking notes on this almost seemed like a sin. Um, because it was so not worth our time. What he was saying was, again, so unserious. And just he did say life was hard a couple times, but he didn't talk about the like this dirty, sticky, funky stank of life, like when your friends get cancer or your friends get divorced or he sticking talks about- through it with other people. He just talked about you. He didn't talk about like, the community or, like, t- it was all about you. It was very self-centered, and it wasn't looking... Towards anyone or towards just it, just you and your heavenly Father, and he he did mention God as He over and over and over and over again, self reinforcing with patriarchy. The things he mentioned as hard times was why would my business partner cheat me like that? <laughs> yeah. um, Which I completely relate to. I <laughs> I don't have a business partner, and I never have had one. I have a marital partner, which is you. Me. Yeah. Why doesn't my spouse love me like that? And why doesn't my boss respect me? Oh, yeah. He also talked about his boss being an idiot. But he didn't, wasn't specific. I don't think he's talking about. Oh, he was just talking about Peter Haas. Um, I've never even heard of Peter Haas before, um, really. So, and oh, he did say something that was just stupid. He. <laughs> He talked about uh, worldly cliches and how, like, the world tells you just to do something or go and do it where he said being a Christian gives you divine courage. Like, living with the understanding that God loves you. Uh, Your love is true and complete in the Lord. And then he said this. He said fear is a liar, which which I don't get. Um, He should have stuck to a sports career is what I wrote. Um, Yeah, I likened his statement of fear is a liar to let's say I'm out in the Amazonian jungle and I come across a big lion who is hungry and wants to eat me. I'm going to feel fear, but that fear is, is not legitimate because God has a plan. Yeah, that was weird. And then One thing I did appreciate about his sermon, he kept saying, your biggest problem is within yourself. You're blaming this person. You're blaming the president. You're you're blaming your spouse. And, like, to feel God's plan and God's love, you don't get to play a victim. And the entire time I kept thinking about people in in an abusive relationship and stuff like that, and it just sat really, really terrible with me but then he said you know i keep talking about a victim but this is not the case within an abusive relationship and i'm glad he made the distinction made the distinction or otherwise you'd have been real pissed i would have been 
pretty mad. <laughs> so I'm glad he at least mentioned something about victims and like survivors of abuse. Yeah. He, um, another thing during the sermon that he said was, um, God has a word for you and it's in God's word, which he's talking about the Bible. But then he just said, if you have whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're dealing with, he said, just Google it, which talk about lazy fucking thinking. Like just Google it. Like any dipshit with a computer could write whatever they want. And that's, that's another thing about these visits that makes me just so disheartened is the right word. It just, or depressed, maybe is the right word. It just seems like these people are taking their faith, which is supposed to be one of the most important parts of their existence, so lightheartedly. Um, like, well, you got a problem and you don't understand? Well, Jesus probably knows, so just Google it and you'll find some verses with comfort. And that just seems so unserious to me. Like, I keep, I keep coming back to this unserious nature of, of the evangelical church, right? And not all the churches we're going to are evangelical, but so far, they've all been evangelical. And they just seem just so thin. Like, they're, the reason that they exist is just because they exist. They sh- and I don't think they should. It just seems so strange to me that they that you take the most important thing in your life and just be like, yeah, Google it. At least he's reading it. Like, that just seems bizarre to me. Like, not go to school, don't learn Greek, don't learn Hebrew, like, don't go back and, like, find the original source material, just Google it. Who gives a shit? Like, that's how lazy it is. It's like, well, I shazammed it, and I'm pretty sure it's this Bible verse. just seems so weird. Um, something I wrote here, he said, the thing you feel the most pain about, God wants to, quote, unquote, show out. And he kept saying this phrase, show out, as, like, when you're in pain, but you still remain joyful because of your divine courage, that's showing out God's divinity. And I wrote, maybe I'm just not understanding it, but I said, show others, God wants to show others his power through your pain. That sounds sadistic. Yeah, well, and he said this phrase a couple times. So after after he said Google it, I wrote pathetically naive right after it. So but like, if you're in pain and God uses that to show his own power, doesn't that sound sadistic? Yeah, it seems weird. And he also talked Again, about... Again, maybe I'm not getting it, but... No, I think you're getting it. I think we're adding layers that were not exist. I, um, so I don't he, know. he said God is less interested with rearranging your circumstances, but with rearranging your heart... Um, and he talked about how you respond to things. Which seemed vague to me. Yeah, it was vague. And then he wrote the story up. Well, we started in a shitty gym, and now we have this place. Uh, but he also said, instead of serving the Lord or serving God or serving faith, he said specifically serving Substance Church, um, which I thought was weird to say that you – I mean, I know you're serving at a church, but – to be like, no, we're, I'm serving the Lord and doing the Lord's work instead of saying, I'm doing the substance work. And maybe he thinks those things are synonymous. Um, but yeah, vague ideas. Uh, he kept just saying how God had bigger and better plans. And then right after that, right on the screen, it said, text substance to 31996. And I was like, that was their altar call. Yeah. So let's oh. say, let's say in a, some sort of other universe, you and I were really moved by the sermon. And oh, I you, texted. 
<laughs> I just had a mini heart attack. Okay, I'm back. Um, so we were really moved, and we wanted to come back to the fold as the prodigal folks. Um, so while they were praying, I would get out my phone and text Substance to 3996. 31996. Oh, 31996. If you want to do and that, then feel free. Someone would text me back and be like, hey, new believer, what can I pray about for you? Should I do it right now? No. Okay. Um, so, um, they did have a worship song after the sermon, so everyone didn't scram. Um, but they also asked for an offering at that point in time. Um, and you could do it online with your mobile device or with a check at service. And he did bring up that Jesus talked about money a lot. He said, Google Bible verses about giving. Yeah. Um, and this always pisses me off because... Jesus did preach a lot about wealth and inequality and about the poor, um, and he painted the the rich in a very negative way. He didn't. I mean, he said it's easier for a rich man to enter to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, constantly preaching about money, but not just money, but inequality and injustice. And these churches bring up that Jesus talked about money, but instead of liking it to revolution or to redistribution of wealth or to Jubilee, uh, which is an ancient Hebrew practice of wealth, uh, debt forgiveness, they leak it to generosity instead. So Jesus talked about money, but what he means by it is you should give it up to us and you should be generous with, you know, the things you have. And it just, it just, it pulls it out of something like the, like, how do you go, and listen to Jesus talk, preach about poor people and the inequality of being wealthy. And then just be like, yeah, but he really wasn't that pissed at rich people. He didn't go into the temple and flip the tables over. Like, no, nah, he wasn't about that. He he just wants you to give more, man. I don't get that. Yeah, I don't either. It's like, well, we want to do good works, but we don't want to have anything to do with justice. And... I hate that they have this arc where everything will be made right eventually. Yeah, I was just about to mention that. I think they're scared of getting involved with things like trying to write justices it's not ourselves me. by like protesting. I mean, not even like writing them, but protesting injustices in our world right now because they feel that God is eventually just going to do it. Gonna make everything right anyway, so why bother? So it's not it's not my problem; it's God's problem. Yeah. So I yeah, just have right. to just kicking the can. I just the have road. to yeah. I just have to serve Him and have my divine courage and be happy when I don't get to play basketball anymore. And I I you know, and God will eventually right all of the wrongs. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. I, I don't. That's something that just boggles my mind because if you, like you said, if this is the most important thing in your life, how would you not feel compelled to, you know, dig deeper, dig deeper and try to like fight the injustices that Jesus told us to fight and, and learn more about your own faith and something that's supposed to be so important to you. 
But yeah, what, <laughs> I wrote, um, when they talk about Jesus talking about money, it's always about giving generosity, not about justice and equality. Um, not about oppression or oligarchy, but about being generous. And I just wrote, fucking bullshit. And then right after that, I just wrote, goddamn smoke machine. Because right after he said that, two smoke machines on the ceiling just started shooting smoke out over, like, the warship, which I, I was like, well, what the hell is going on? Google Bible verses around generosity. Pshhh. <laughs> 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 Uh, this will get him to to make a decision for the Lord. I wrote, <laughs> no, no. He said, do life together. I fucking hate that sentence. What does that mean? <laughs> and then uh, I wrote, uh, contemporary worship songs instill a naive, dangerous, and childish theology of everything is good. And wrote, ah, rape, not good. Murder, not good. Uh, injustice, not good. <laughs> Black hole prisons. We're like, oh, it came out of nowhere. What? <laughs> yeah, um, I... A church I used to go to, they would say the phrase, do life together all the time. And I never understood it. I never understood the significance of it. Like, being in community, but like, meeting once a week, and then reading a Bible verse and then being like, okay, okay, bye. And then, you know, like not sharing finances or not sharing even like living space or food or anything like doing life together, seeing someone once a week and then just doing your own thing. Like, and how can you not help to do life together with, like, I do life with everyone I come in contact with because I am alive and they are alive. <laughs> maybe I'm looking at this too literally, and maybe I was back when the other church told me to do life with people, but I I'm like, literally, just... I'm doing life with the target cashier. No, that's that's not what they mean. I mean, they they literally mean having a, a like a life together that came out of Bonhoeffer's school of thought of living well, together. I wasn't a philosopher and a theology yeah. person, so please tell me what Bonhoeffer meant. Um, he wrote a book called Life Together, and it's about living in Christian community. And he literally meant living together. He didn't mean meeting once on Sundays, but like meeting for meals every day, you know, sharing as much as you possibly can together. And other movements have broke out of this. Um, actually, I think the Catholic Worker Movement broke out before Bonhoeffer did this, I believe. Um, <clears throat> and so, like, Catholic Worker Movements were Christian groups that were um, sometimes anarchists, sometimes socialists, sometimes communist um, ideologies. But the idea is it's generally the same people getting together and trying to live this thing they call their faith, um, which is complicated and messy and takes a lot of effort and is what most people think, you know, Christianity, the most unique thing about it is the church body itself. And so every person has its own, their own value and their own uh, thing that they're good at or that they do to enhance the rest of the community. Um, you know, we're all part of the body, but we're all different parts. So the hands and eyes and feet and, all that stuff works together. And I think doing life together is a bastardized version of that where 
you can still talk like you want to do something important or radical, but you don't actually have to do shit. You just talk about it. So <clears throat> I think it's a cop out. And it's I, like he was talking about being confident because you're speaking the gospel every day. Like, well, I'm, Keep them, keep them guessing why you're so confident. I was like, why would you want stupid confidence? <laughs> like, just naive confidence. Like, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm confident about it. <laughs> and as as a non-believer, um, if I see someone who's stupid confident, like, that doesn't really liken me to want to get to know them better. Or, you know, people being vulnerable is a good way to, you know, show empathy towards someone or something like that. But if someone's walking around, like I got my divine courage and I'm going to do this and it's all good because God has a plan. And like he likened it to, you know, seeing God in people because they smile through their pain or yeah. something like that, but I would rather see people, you know, I I don't want to smile through my pain. I would rather cry and scream through my pain. And if I see someone else crying and screaming through their pain, I would be more likely to empathize with that person instead of like, I am too stressed too or blessed too blessed to be stressed. Like, it just seems like someone living in a whole other dimension to me. Yeah, and it was the church was also the stupid confidence was weird. Um, and then they prayed, and we left. And actually, two people um, that well, one person I used to live with uh, <laughs> showed up. And we were like, "Hey!" Uh, and they're like, "What are you guys doing here?" And we're like, "Just hanging out, <laughs> just, just you know, <laughs> and I, checking things out." And so I, we were in the lobby after church service, and we were just Angela went to use the restroom, and I got a cup of free coffee. And uh, there was an EDM DJ in the lobby. In the lobby, spinning. Yeah, which was bizarre. And then um, there are high top tables, and all the church worship people were there. You could go talk to them. Really, they were just talking to themselves and hanging out. Very kitschy decor. Um, There's another mini stage out there, and it was very, very white. And then um, I looked up. And a former colleague of mine walked up and she saw me and she, uh, she's like, oh, you look familiar. And I was like, yeah, we used to work together at this place. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, how have you been? She's like, what are you doing here? And I had no idea she worked at the church. <laughs> and so I said, oh, we're just here investigating. And she, she was like, what? Inve- investigating what? What What are you? Whoa. And she's like, well, I, I work here. And I was like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that. Um, so I, she's like, who do you work for? And I was like, oh, no, I'm just here on my own. <laughs> on my own dime. I should have said the FBI. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, the, the FBI Sable and the CIA. Staple money. Um, yeah, but I think I scared her. Fat Tony um, says you need you need to pay him his money. Yeah, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever see her again. Um, <laughs> she was a very nice person. She was. She was. Um, so there's no ill will there. But it's bizarre that she ended up at Substance because it it truly is a church without substance so far. And I guess you can dig deeper. There were small groups uh, that you could get in charge of or get I would connected be, to. But this he talks about fear and 
being a victim. I am too afraid to join a small group as an atheist. I am too fearful to do that. So change my mind, substance. Change my mind. And uh, well, we can listen to some free EDM. Okay. Um. Yeah. So this is another wrap. Probably wrapping this episode up. Um. A little shorter than normal, but that's... Yeah, uh, I thought we would have a lot more to talk about, but it's it was very... Vanilla. Like you said, like it it wasn't... It didn't seem like it was taken too seriously, which I was sort of surprised at. And I'm not saying people should be like flagellating themselves and like, you know, uh, doing penance all the time for no, their faith. No, no. But I feel like if you want to remain faithful... You should at least take it seriously. And I'm not talking about being stern, but I don't know, a little effort, maybe, is what I'm asking effort, for. Effort, <laughs> research, continuing to not just reading books that are written by people who are just like you. Yeah. Well, we, we talked about this on the way home, too. It's It almost feels like you're just a fan. Uh, like they're just a fan of Jesus. Yeah. So so they live their lives exactly the way they want to live them, but they still want to be Christian. So they just change their church to be just like they are. And then they just say it's Christian. It's it's like being a Red Sox fan. You're like, well, yeah. and, and if you're in Minnesota and you're a Red Sox fan, great. But it's, it's, it, it's weird to, to be like, well, I'm going to live my life this way because I live in Minnesota, but I'm going to be a Red Sox fan. Uh, it just seems like a, another arbitrary distinction. I mean, so the church they have, yeah, it looks cool and contemporary now, but in 15 years, it's going to look like an old, beaten down, boring church. And somebody else is going to come along and say, well, EDM sucks, but we're going to have a blues church. And it just it just keeps Ooh, revolving and just keeps evolving and changing the thing without actually taking the substance of the center, the heart of Christianity uh, or this a center of uh, the scriptures at, at all. <laughs> just they're paying lip service to it, but they're like, "Well, I'm going to live my life exactly the way I want to, but I also want to be a Christian." So I'll just say that I'm a Christian skateboarder. Yeah. Or I'm a Christian punk. Like I used to say. Yeah, or I'm a, I'm a Christian car wash. It's just it's so it's so arbitrary, and it feels like the Christian part is just tacked on at the end. It's mm-hmm. not. Uh, it's not the deliberate part of – it's not the searching and the seeking and the, the lived experience and the existential crisis. It's just, well, this is who I am and I'm also a Christian. Yeah. So it just – it seems – it just seems weird to me. It's like – Same here. Like the word gay Republican. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one thing I would definitely in this – series that we're doing i would really like to go to an open and affirming church um the lgbtq plus community is very important to me um and it's something i constantly think about when we are visiting these churches um if a queer person would feel comfortable there substance maybe i feel like you would you'd be fine if you were a substance yeah um, I don't know, I didn't read their specific creeds, and I can do that on their website and see if they're, you know, marriages between one man and one woman. Um, but yeah, I think 
it would be really interesting to go to a church environment that openly is affirming to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, because I, I mean, as someone who used to call themselves a Christian punk, which is like the two complete opposites of each other, I would like to see how a church message would be, you know, catered to a queer person or to, like having a church atmosphere that a queer person would be super comfortable in. So I don't know. It's just something like you said with, this is how I want to live my life, but I'm also a Christian. Yeah. I'm really interested in people who are saying I'm queer, but I'm also a question, uh, also a Christian, a question. <laughs> or a particular, I'm queer and a question. And specifically a particular kind of Christian, like a Christian that believes that being homosexual is wrong. Um, cause we have a couple friends who are part of churches yes. that do not, are not open and affirming. And not welcoming, and I think that's that's just difficult. I don't see how you'd reconcile those two things. Mm-hmm. Of being like, I am this person, this is who I am, but I also believe that I'm not supposed to be that person. I think that's that would. I'm sure lots of people are dealing with that, and it's very difficult. But I would say f- find a community that wants you. Yeah, there there are out they're out there. Yes, they're everywhere. Yeah, there are lots of places that value everyone, and they want you to be a part of their you know community. Mm-hmm. So if you're not getting it from your community, find some. Reach out. Figure, you know. Yes. So I think that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Bye. Bye. A post-Christian production.